Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Plein and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. Hello. Hello. I would ask you how you are, but you have a cough. I'm exhausted. Like, we shouldn't even go there. <laughs> I feel very sultry is how I feel. Yes. You got the sexy <laughs> voice going on. Yeah. That's what nice. I need right now. A super sexy voice. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, would you like to use that super sexy voice to tell us about any awesome people? I would like to tell you about some awesome people. Aaron. Yes. You know what? What? Crime Crazy is sponsored by Seb Bryce. Thank you. Courtney Ellis. Thank you. And Dave Hat. Thank you. Show sponsors support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Yes, you are. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you would like to check that out, you should. Uh, (laughs) If you don't like Patreon, that's cool. I'm not here to parse your mellow on that, but you could go buy us a coffee. Yes. Um, The easiest way to do both of those is to go to crimecrazy.com and look at all of our links. Aaron made such cute buttons. (laughs) That is true. We also have a review shout out. Ooh. Um, And first an apology because Facebook reviews are weird and I don't get notifications of them. But I would like to say a special thank you to our friend Pravina, who left a beautiful review. Thank you, Pravina. Thanks, Pravina. And I totally saw you today and forgot to tell you that we appreciated it. So I'm a bad friend and podcaster. Well, but you know what? (laughs) Now she can listen to the episode and know that you meant it. I assume that she'll be using it as her ringtone from now on. I, I would think so. Yeah. 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 You can follow Crime Crazy on all the social media at Crime Crazy Pod and check out our beautiful website at crimecrazy.com. Also, I haven't gotten any emails for stickers. Have you gotten emails for stickers? No, but Diana, we gave out a shit ton, a metric shit ton of stickers last week. <laughs> That's <laughs> so we amazing. But do you know what? We still have a metric shit ton left. I may have gotten some in the mail this week. Oh, God, Aaron. <laughs> I can't leave you alone. I shouldn't have a credit card. It's not even a credit card. I shouldn't even have a debit card. Like, it's just too easy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you want any of these sweet, sweet stickers, email us at Diana at CrimeCrazy.com or Aaron at CrimeCrazy.com. That is E-R-Y-N. Yes. Because we did not buy E-R-I-N at CrimeCrazy.com. No, that would have been a little weird. Like, I would have felt weird checking that one. Like, I was the wrong person. <laughs> well, right. And, like, I don't want to pay the money for a not-your-name email. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So. Awesome. That is such great, great stuff. Yay. All right. So, I know we talked about you not talking too much. However, I have another question. Yes. Diana, did you learn anything this week? I did. What did you learn? So our friend Rose West is in the news again. What? Wait, yeah. Rose West, like Rose West, Rose West? Yeah, like as of Fred and Rosemary West. Yeah. Yeah, that one. For what? Well, remember that the last time we heard about Rose West, she had just won a bake-off in bake prison. Bake-off. Yes, because 
That's the, totally a thing that you should be doing in person. <laughs> 100%. She made a Victoria sponge cake. But she is not going to be able to win that prize two years in a row because she was secretly moved to another prison last month. (gasps) Why? Well, she had been at HM Prison Low Newton for over a decade, but she was transferred last month to Newhall in Wakefield, West Yorks, uh, which I haven't looked at a map, but I might be near there next month. Ooh, don't go visit her. That's one of our policies. I wasn't aware of this policy. It it is. We we don't interact with the bad guys. I mean, that's probably a good one. Yeah. So um, officials are saying that the move was routine, but it's being reported that she was moved because she was receiving death threats made by the only other female in the UK that has a life sentence, Joanna Dennehy. Oh, Joanna Dennehy was convicted in 2014 of stabbing three men to death, although it's speculated that she killed nine. Wow. And when she was told that she was being moved to Low Newton, which is Britain's highest security women's prison, she said, send me there and I'll fucking kill Rose West. Oh, So although authorities refused to comment on whether the move was related to the threats or was maybe just because Rose isn't doing very well health-wise, apparently she's having trouble getting up the stairs to her cell. Right. Uh, It seems to be the common consensus that the two things are related. And the Mirror even reported that the transfers happened on the same day because the prison bosses didn't want them in the same place at At all. all. So like Rose left and then Joanna came right in. Wow. Yeah. And apparently inmates at New Hall, the new prison, have been told to be nice to Rose West so she doesn't get all upset and start hurting herself. Wow. So another thing I learned, although I guess it's not something I learned, I was just reminded of it. I always feel like she should be really elderly. Yeah. She's 65. Yeah, that's She's not that old. No. So, but weren't they some of the oldest or like the oldest serial killer couple? Or am I thinking of the wrong? I thought it, I thought that was, that's why we feel like she's old because that was part of their thing. No, I don't. Now I'm going through my head of serial killer couples. Um, Right. I think they were older than the average because they were what in their 40s right they were caught oh i guess so i definitely always think of them as being more like in their 70s when they were caught well, which obviously is inaccurate but that's <laughs> where they are in my head well and i think it's because they were busy yeah like not only were they fairly prolific but like they just had a lot of life experience yeah yeah um but no she's not terribly old and of course fred's dead Right. Also, there are only two women in the UK that have life sentences. That's crazy. Yeah. The is last... that because UK women don't murder people, or is that because women in the UK don't get sentenced to life? Um, I'm not sure a lot of people get sentenced to life. I don't think in they the hand UK. that out as freely as we do here. And we're pretty into it, actually. We're we're super big fans. Yeah. Um, Although, to be fair, I'm not sure it's a whole lot better if you don't get a life sentence, because if you get a serious sentence at all, your life is still a little bit over. Oh, yeah, totally. Really rather over, actually. 
The last woman to have a life sentence in the UK was Mira Henley. She died in 2002. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize she'd been dead so long. Oh, my gosh. That ties so amazingly into my story. Well, then I have a question for you. Yes. Erin? Yes. Do you have a story for me? I do. I do. Was that extra sexy? Uh, yeah, it really is. I'm enjoying listening. <laughs> it's so glad somebody's feel, enjoying my cold. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel a little creepy having said that, actually. I'd like to take it back now. <laughs> That's all good. All right. So I have a story, and it is it is very cool that your very last bit of that fact ties in so well, because it is both about a killer who is female mm. and... Something doing with, uh, or something to do with 2002. So, all right. So last time I told a story, which was weeks and weeks and weeks ago, Mm -hmm. it was about a murderer who had an obsession with hair, like Uh. other people's hair, because not his own. Mm -hmm. Um, And in addition to murdering people and chopping off hair, Danilo Restivo, both names I may still be saying wrong, also moved around and he also reinvented himself in this new country after he'd committed his first murder. But it didn't stop him from still being a murderer. Mm-hmm. So this time I have a killer who changes more than just her location, although that's part of it. She kind of changes everything. Everything? Well... Certainly her entire identity. Oh, wow. A lot. So Elaine Antoinette Parent was born in the Bronx in 1942. And we don't know a ton about her because, as, as I sort of alluded to, she had a lot of identities. And so tracking down informations about or information about her the human is very hard to do because it's hard to figure out who she was at any given time. Okay. And, and when I say she had a lot of identities and Google had a really hard time with this search, <laughs> I don't mean that she had like dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities. Oh, yeah. I mean that she like liked to steal other people's identities and become them or like create her own. Um, she always was a lame parent. She just liked to pretend she wasn't. So, so people who knew her, um, and, you know, maybe lived with her would describe her as beautiful, intelligent, charming. Um, I saw references to bisexual, although all of the relationships they talk about are gay relationships. So, um, mostly homosexual. She, um, was also aggressive, had violent mood swings and could be very threatening and manipulative. Hmm. Right. She was definitely the only child of an American father and a French Canadian mother. She definitely grew up in the Bronx. And by her 30th birthday, when she was in Florida by that time, um, she had already received her her first conviction, which was for shoplifting. So she had her criminal record. Still 30. It's pretty old. It is. She she made it a long time. And I think, like, there's not a ton of information, but it didn't sound like there was anything really outstanding in her childhood. There's some significance to the fact that she was American and she was born in New York and she lived in Florida and, like, spent all of her time here. Mm. But that's 
kind of it. She was charming. She had mood swings. She didn't really get in trouble till she was older. But that's it. Are we? Are you, is she me? What? Charming mood swings. Oh, did you say, is she me? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's entirely possible. But, you know, let's let's look at more facts. <laughs> I've never even been to the Bronx. So. Oh. Hmm. So in June of 1990, but you were born in 40, 42, right? Oh, way earlier. Oh, okay. So then, no, she can't be you because okay. you're too old. Uh, in June of 1990, a woman named Beverly McGowan, who was 34, she was a bank clerk, placed an advertisement in the paper um, advertising for a roommate. So her advertisement said that she wanted somebody to share a two-bedroom condo, um, that she was a single female who was 34 and had two cats, and that the person would need to pay $290 and half of the utilities. It's a pretty typical... I mean, $290 sounds amazing, I but this know. was like, God, it was 30 years ago, Diana. Fuck. 30 years ago was 1990. Yeah. Well, wow. I, got, I got my first apartment by myself in 98, and uh-huh. I paid, I think, 600 I got a driver's license in 98. <sighs> I, I didn't pay for that. <laughs> So at some point between July 10th and July 14th, so several weeks after she placed this ad, uh, she got a a response. And a woman answered the advertisement calling herself Alice. She claimed to be an English employee, a British employee of IBM who was being transferred to Florida. And she just, they hit it off right away. So McGowan, Beverly McGowan was very impressed with her, really liked her, really got along with her. Um, She did interview several applicants, but then decided that Alice would be the one that would move in with her. She told her family and friends about her and how great she was. Um, And then she also told them that, you know, she, that Alice had given her a reading. So Alice was really into numerology and she told McGowan that um, she needed her like a whole bunch of stuff. So it was her passport, her driver's license number, her social security number, which probably actually at that time was her driver's license number, her birth date, all of these numbers, because with all of these significant numbers, she could predict her future. And McGowan was- I bet she could. I bet she exactly very (laughs) accurately yes so McGowan was sort of naturally cautious but just really liked and trusted Alice and so she gave her the information she wanted to know her future and Alice took all of the numbers and did whatever you do with numerology and said oh you know um, you're going to come into a lot of money. You're not going to have any worries in life. Like this, all of the struggles are temporary. And uh, you're going to be meeting the man that you will marry when you turn 40. Okay, so in six years. Okay. So McGowan was like, that's it. Like, this is amazing. You can move in. She told all her friends, Alice is moving in. Also, like, all these amazing things are going to happen to me. I'm just so thrilled. Then, on July 18th, McGowan kind of disappeared, 
And the next day, several of her friends got letters in the mail from her. And they were postmarked from Miami. And in each of the letters, she said that she had quit her job. She was selling her condo. She was going to travel the world. Like all of this excellent information just meant to her she should take advantage of life. But that was really unlike her. Some H.H. Holmes shit right there. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And then on July 19th, the very next day, they found her body. Uh. So McGowan had been mutilated she'd been decapitated her hands and feet had been cut off with a chainsaw um and she had had a tattoo of thumper like the disney thumper Mm -hmm. on her stomach um and it had been cut like that whole section of her stomach had been cut out all in an effort to hide her identity right i suppose um but what the killer missed was the tattoo of a flower she had on her ankle the police found it and they were able to identify her pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So around the same time that they found her body and received these letters and were working through identification, uh, she'd had, McGowan had $800 in her bank account and 795 of that was withdrawn. Okay. <laughs> Which at first I was like, huh, that's weird. But I bet that you had to have $5 in there to keep the account open. Right. Yeah. So she, all of it was, was withdrawn essentially. So apparently this attractive blonde woman with a British accent had gone in and taken out the money. She also used McGowan's credit card to buy books and clothes at the mall. And then she bought a British Airways ticket and she rented a car in London. And she flew from Miami to London on July 23rd under the name Sylvia Ann Hodgkinson. How the hell do you get a last minute ticket to the UK and clothes, and books, and a rental car for less than $800. Well, she also had the credit cards. Oh, So it was the yeah, $800 yeah. in go. cash and the credit cards. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, apparently McGowan had pretty good credit, though. Like, Oh, yeah. So. Um, so in London, it turned out that this woman who'd been calling herself Ellis had a former lover that, like, nobody knew about. And it didn't seem in anything that I read that she had been to London before or, like, had spent any significant amount of time there. So I'm sort of wondering if this woman also, you know, was also, like, a transplant, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this woman was a senior executive. And she, um, they had lived together for several years at some point prior to this but they had broken up and split up because the the woman who we're calling Alice at the moment had these just awful mood swings and she was always asking for money and then at one point there'd been a fight and she tried to blackmail the woman and so somehow Alice managed to persuade her lover to take her in again now that she was in London um the police managed to track her that far, but, or, you know, to track her to London, like they knew that a plane ticket had been purchased. They lost track of her once she was there because the card got cut off once they found the body. And so she wasn't able to use it anymore. So she had to start using the cash and then they couldn't, there was no paper trail. Yep. So while they are going all around London trying to find her, she's off living with her former lover and, it's just, you know, amazing and great for a while. So then, of course, 
her normal personality comes out and she starts getting a little bit crazy again. She at one point kidnapped her partner's dogs and took them back to America and tried to ransom them back. Um, And when that didn't work, she sent like death threats. I don't know what happened to the dogs. I'm more upset about that than almost anything else in here. Don't they need to be quarantined in between countries? Like that's a super big pain in the ass to bring animals back and forth. It is, but this was also the 90s. Like I don't, it certainly wasn't what it is now. I feel like it probably would have been more doable. No, because wasn't that mad cow scare? Like, that wasn't too Around long then? before, and I think things got tighter then. Maybe. I, I thought that was a little bit in- later, because I thought I was, in like, in high school when that happened. I think there's been more than one. Oh, well, that is entirely possible. In, in 1990 and 1991, I was, like, eight and nine, so I was not keeping up with the news very well. I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> well, all right. Prion diseases are very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It is very true. Not so much when you're eight and nine. No, probably not. A little less so. So at either, at any rate, I mean, she went to some extremes and did some terrible bullshit stuff because taking someone's dogs is like, you might as well just murder her. (laughs) Not really. I I feel Um, like that might be coming too. What's that? I feel like that might be coming too. Well, we'll see. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) then in January, so now she's back in the U.S., right, with the dogs. Um, The lead investigator on the case, whose name was, oh, my God, her name is kind of amazing. Rena, and her last name is Crowning Shield. Ooh, that is a great name. It is, and it also has like a ton of letters in it. I'm looking at this name and it's like this long on the line. So she got a call from the U S department of state because they had done some research on this person that flew, you know, remember she was, when she bought the tickets, she was Sylvia Ann Hodgkinson. She's Mm -hmm. no longer Alice. And uh, they found that she had another name and I don't, I don't know how they discovered this. It said it was like on a passenger manifest from British Airways, but, or like up a flight from British Airways, but I'm not sure if she bought the ticket under Sylvia, how Elaine would have been attached to that. But at either rate, they were like, Elaine Parent is the other name. And it turned out Elaine Parent was a real human being. What? Right? So that was a pretty big lead. So she went to McGowan's apartment and did another search, Crowning Shield did, and she found some handwriting left on a a pad of paper and matched it to parents' handwriting. And um and so she was making some some progress at being like, Hey, now we at least know that this person, Alice, is actually a parent and she is probably our prime suspect and she's in London and she's under this other name, like putting the pieces together. So fast forward through most of the year, um, she, so uh, Hodgkinson, in air quotes, right, or Alice or Elaine Parent, has now flown from London to Los Angeles. That happened in October, and then January is when they got the tip about the name. She 
in Los Angeles back in October had rented a car under the name Charlotte Cowan. Okay. And so at this point, when they managed to connect Elaine Parent and Alice and uh, Sylvia, whatever her name was, Hodgkinson, they also then, you know, got the information about Charlotte Cowan and they started to look into her. And it turned out she is also a real person who is alive, but she is not Elaine Parent. She's a separate human being who also exists. Okay. Okay. So what that means is that Elaine was using the identity of a woman who was still alive and well. Did she know this woman or was it just random? Yes. Yeah, she did. So the police went to to Cowan, who was living in Florida at the time, and they interviewed her. And they were able to determine really quickly that, that the person they were interviewing was not, in fact, Elaine Parent pretending to be Charlotte Cowan. This was the real Charlotte Cowan, who also knew Elaine Parent. Mm. So... Cowan sort of told the story. She said that, you know, she'd been really impressed with Parent, that she had beautiful clothes, she had a British accent, she was so charismatic, and that they looked a little bit similar. They both had short, straight red hair. And they had started to talk, and before long, Parent had started telling her about all of the interest in numerology, and give me your birthday, and I want to do your profile, Uh. and I need your driver's license number, and what time you were born, and all of this confidential information. And because she was so charming, Cowan was like, yep, here you go, and gave it all to her. And parent wrote it down on a cocktail napkin, and then she was like, oh, you're going to have the best future, and sort of the same thing as she did with her first victim, just told her everything was going to be wonderful. And um, she said, Cowan said that, parent never said a whole lot about herself that she never really gave any details except that at some point she'd been involved with a woman who had hurt her really badly and um you know that she had a little bit of a rough family life like her extended family and her her immediate family didn't get along very well Mm -hmm. um she said that several days after they met and they did this whole numerology thing that Cowan took Parent out to visit her mother and they had lunch together and her mother who was apparently very discerning and a good judge of personality was just so impressed Mm. and so she felt very comfortable with the whole situation well it was just a casual thing like it wasn't they weren't like dating or anything like that so she didn't really hear from parent for a little while after that and then one day she got a phone call and parent told her that her aunt had died not Cowan's aunt but like Elaine Parent's aunt had Mm. died and that she and her brother were left the inheritance but her brother had like stabbed her in the back she said that he had had her committed to a hospital in order to prevent her from getting her portion of the inheritance and she'd only just managed to escape And she was desperate and she didn't know what to do. And then, um, I'm sorry, let me go back. So she had, she'd been committed to this hospital. At that point, she was in the hospital. About a month later, she showed up at the house and she was like, I just managed to escape. She showed up at Cowan's house at 3 a.m. And she was wearing a mustache, like a stick-on mustache. (laughs) And she said that that had been the disguise she'd used to escape from the hospital where she'd been trapped for a month. Because for evil, evil brother. So she cried and cried and cried. Because a fake mustache totes gets you past everybody. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, definitely. Like it, then they're just like, oh, hospital gown. That must just be a style thing, and they just let you go right out. Right. Yeah. So she cried, and she's like, I don't know where else to turn. Can you please help me? Can I have your birth certificate so that I can go get identification as you and hide my real identity so that they don't put me back in this hospital? You know, I don't care about the inheritance or whatever else. I'm just afraid for my safety. Mm, And Cowan Cowan was like, "Mm," but eventually was convinced and gave it to her. Several weeks later, after not hearing anything, the birth certificate arrives back in the mail with an apology for taking so long with the birth certificate. And after that, Cowan never heard from her again. Huh. Yep. So, the following year, May 1991, a woman named Elaine Parent is stopped by police in Miami because she's driving an overdue rental car whose plates have been swapped out with stolen plates. And they ask for her identification and or they search the car. Like somehow they manage to get all of the identification in her car. And they're like, hmm, but why would you have identification for Elaine Parent and Cowan and Hodgkinson? But because the police don't always do a fantastic job, Mm. they didn't run any of the names before releasing her on bail. So by the time they found out that she was wanted for murder and identity theft and theft, theft, and this and that and the other, they had released her on bail on the charges related to the the stolen car. And she was gone. But so this is the 90s. Yes. And states were not talking to each other at that point. Right. Like from a criminal perspective. But she did all this shit in Florida. Yes. Like there wasn't even any work involved. No. Jesus. Yeah. But it was, I mean, I, I, so I feel like we should cut them a little bit of slack. Because we've heard that she's charming and she's beautiful and she doesn't seem threatening and people trust her even when she's asking for things they know they shouldn't give. And I just sort of in my head picture it going down like, okay, this is obviously a bad guy, but she doesn't like, I don't think she's a threat. This is all theft and like it's criminal and whatever, but it's it's not violent crime it's not you know she's not hurting anyone blah 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 and so let's charge her with these things we will eventually run all of these names just to double check but we're pretty sure we know exactly what it is that she's done and we've caught her she probably told a really good story about never having done it before blah 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 and then they release her on bail they get around to running the names and then they're like well shit now we've no, really fucked up. No, that's just sloppy fucking work. I'm just trying to, you know, assume positive intent. Diana. No, cops <laughs> don't assume positive intent. Like, no, that's just sloppy fucking work. You bring somebody in that you know has these multiple identities. You goddamn run them. Yeah. And don't get charmed by the prisoner that you caught doing something illegal. Agreed. Agreed. However, bad you know. job, Florida police. 
So at this point, they lost her. She kept sort of popping up. Um, when they went back and investigated again later, like once the story was over and they were they had a little more information, they were able to determine that at some point after this arrest, she was in New Mexico running a restaurant. Um, and then about a year later, she was in Florida and was claiming to be South African, but apparently was totally broke. Um, they know that she would go around graveyards and she would take names and birth dates and then become those identities. Um, she would steal information like she had with McGowan um, by, you know, saying that she was a numerologist and she might want to be roommates and then she would get all of their information that way. She she stole around 20 identities Wow. And a lot of them were women that she met and seduced but didn't kill. And then some of them were just entirely invented. And then some of them detectives can't figure out where they came from at all. So there's a lot of concern that she might have other victims out there. Mm -hmm. And they just were never able to trace them. Wow. So in 1992, the police are still looking into all of this two years later. And Parent has another identity. And this identity, they didn't give the name, but was involved in a court case, except she was the one who was suing a restaurant because apparently she slipped and fell. And so by this point, she was back in Florida. She slipped and fell. She got hurt and she sued the restaurant and won and was awarded a settlement of some amount that no one will release Mm. and then two years later just gone trail went totally cold they could not find anything else so Mm. at that point she would have totally gotten away with it and probably eventually just fallen out of sight and it would have been unsolved forever but i guess she got bored (laughs) In 1998, without any apparent prompting, or at least any that I could find, she sent a photograph of herself, no, I'm sorry, a photograph of an oil painting of herself. I don't know if it was a self-portrait or if somebody else had done it, but apparently she had an oil painting of herself. She sent a picture of it, and on the back, she typed, um, best wishes, your chameleon. Wow. Yes. So super taunt. Um, at this point, they started calling her. Right. I at this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it's so. I think I feel like this combines a lot of the people that you've talked about recently, who are like really impressive con people, mm-hmm. but also with a murderer. And so now I don't know how to feel. Right. <laughs> Well, and again, like there's so many similarities to the canon of H.H. Holmes. Yes. Yeah. No, I I was thrilled when I found this case. I was reading yeah. about it. So um, at this point, the, the press in Florida was like, she's the world's most wanted woman. She's the chameleon killer. And she became kind of folklorish. Mm-hmm. In April... Of 2002, oh my God. the police got 
a tip that she was back in Florida under yet another assumed identity. Mm-hmm. So maybe she'd been there all along. Maybe she'd travel around. Nobody knows. But now she's definitely there. She has another identity. And so they go to an apartment in Panama City, and they manage to catch her. And I was really frustrated that, like, it went from a tip that she was there to they have her apartment, and there was no information about the investigation at all. Oh, in come on. Anything. Yes. Except for the detail that while they were there, I guess, I don't know if she, if they got there really early in the morning, she was in her pajamas or she just wanted to change or what, but she was like, I'm going into my bedroom to change. You can wait right outside the door and make sure that I can't leave. And so she went into her bedroom and she was in there a really, really long time getting dressed. And finally, one of the officers got impatient or suspicious and he knocked on the door Mm-hmm. And instead of opening it, she took her gun and she stuck it into her heart and fired and killed herself. Oh. Yeah. Which means that all the rest of it is totally unsolved. We'll never know anything about who she was or how many people she killed or why she did things that she did other than obviously for personal gain right. or or where she had been from 1996 or whatever it was until 2000, 1998 or uh, I mean really ni- yeah 1998 until 2002. Yeah. So of course there's definitely sort of an ongoing concern that it's next to impossible, especially at this point, to verify, but that she has probably or very likely killed other women and that those were some of her identities. There are many missing years in there where no one knows what she was up to. Mm-hmm. But whatever it was, apparently it was enough to eventually get her an apartment in Panama City and a three fifty seven Magnum. Yeah. That's really so. unsatisfying. It is. It's so frustrating. I mean, it solved, like they solved the one murder, but no one even got to take her to trial. No one even got to question her. Like she, the one time she was arrested, they didn't get to question her. Like nothing. It's just pieces they've put together since then. That's crazy. Like that's an amazing story, but there's got to be so much more and we'll never, ever know. And we'll never know. So one of the things that I meant to do and am just now remembering that I never did was to look up where she appears in like pop culture because I feel like there's got to be a fictionalized account or a documentary or um, I do know she was on a couple episodes of things back at the time when they were still searching for her like... um, I don't think it was Unsolved Murder, but that kind of documentary where they Mm. were looking for help tracking her down. And so they gave some interviews and gave some evidence to some of these series so that they could get that word out. Mm. Um, But I feel like it has such potential for so much amazing drama that it's got to be out there. We should... We should look. look I would that. love to read it. Yeah. I'd love to read a fictionalized account. I'd love to read an actual account, but there's not enough known other than, I mean, I just told you everything there is. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm so conflicted. I know. <laughs> She's kind of badass. Like, she is 
ballsy. Oh, she is yeah. confident. She is smart. She really didn't get caught. I mean, she got caught in the end, but then even then she didn't get caught. Right. She got out of close scrapes. On the other hand, she murdered people for personal gain. Yeah. That's not okay. No. It'd be so interesting to see an interview with her, you know, with all right? the talk about like the charming and the, you know, all of that. Right. Oh, yeah. Bummer. I know. So. <sighs> so there we go. Yeah. So I have a really very lame call to action <laughs> because tell. it's not specific. Um, I find that it's really lame. But in this case, and I think it had something to do with how it was solved, not not solved satisfactorily, but like how they eventually caught her. Mm-hmm. They did make use of like TV documentaries and reaching out through the media and keeping it in the public eye and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they did receive tips and were able to track her. And a lot of it was after the case. It was a little too late, but because just normal people were like, Oh, I actually do have some information on that. Let me talk to the police. And so that would be my call to action for this week is like, just be aware of your surroundings, be aware of you know, people that you get that feeling when you look at them, whatever, and, and be cooperative with that kind of thing. Like it's, it's not, I would never consider it being a snitch to be like, Hey, saw somebody, you know, that you're looking for. You asked if they were here. I saw them like, right. That's fine. Yeah. Well, even and, if it's, and that's how crimes get solved. Yeah. And even if it's not nefarious, you yeah. know, Sometimes you know something that somebody else doesn't know. Right. Absolutely. And you don't necessarily know what it is that you could be helping with. Right. Like none of the people that said like Callan, she didn't know what this woman had done to her knowledge. She acted kind of strange. And then I guess when the police showed up and they were like, Hey, she's pretending to be you. Okay. She stole an identity, but she she helped out and she gave them a lot of really useful information, not even realizing that she was helping to solve a murder right. for that murder victim's family and for her memory and for so. Yep. Yeah, I think it it would just be nice if we could sort of shift that perception. I feel like there's a whole lot of don't talk to the police, don't tell them anything. Like, why would you want to get involved? But honestly, I mean, they can't. You want them to solve crime and keep you safe. Yeah. They cannot just do that and be everywhere at once unless you want them to be everywhere at once. And we don't want that. Yeah, so no, we... you have to cooperate. You have some responsibility. Yep. So that's my story and my call to action. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great story, but I'm super conflicted. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Also, chameleons are amazing just as animals. This is also the second time chameleons have come up between us today. It's true. It is true. <laughs> I thought of that. When you we did a training where it came up. You said something to the effect when we were doing this training about, Diana, what do you think about chameleons? And I was just like, they seem like they feel weird. But I knew that wasn't the they answer you were going weird. for. <laughs> I... 
I would like to share one final fact before you give us your advice <laughs> for the week. Okay. Which is that chameleons do not change color to match their surroundings. That's a myth. You're thinking of an octopus. They are a thousand times cooler than chameleons. <laughs> chameleons change color based on their mood and their health and their temperature. They cannot blend in with their surroundings. That is not what they do. I did not know that. Yes. It's and it's just such a like it's such a thing. That's what they do in commercials. That's what they do in cartoons. Yeah. That's why we use the phrase chameleon to describe people who blend in. They don't do that. But they're like, like they're, mood lizards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are very much like that. They do they do blend in, right? Cuz they're shaped like leaves. They live in trees. They're often green, but they they don't. It's it's an indication of health and mood and temperature and huh. some of it may be for the purpose of camouflage and they're certainly designed to camouflage, but they are not blending in with their surroundings in the way that an octopus does. Huh. I feel strongly about this. Anyway. I, I can tell. <laughs> Would you like to <laughs> to stop me from ranting about animals and give us some advice? Yes, because it's time for both of us to go to bed. Agreed. So is that, that our is advice? It. That is piece piece number one. Go to bed. Yes. Number two, man. When it's over, it's over. Don't take that ex back. They're gonna steal your pets. Yeah. <laughs> like just just yeah. don't break up once. Well, yeah, especially if it ended in an unhealthy way if you had to break ties because the other person was making the relationship unhealthy and toxic and they were bad for you like yeah they didn't change no don't even let them in the house no just just close the door right and after you close the door yes call your people call your people they did not decide to sell their condo and travel the world and just write you a letter to kind of let you know Especially not these days. No. <laughs> Nobody writes no. letters like that. No. And don't end up on next week's episode. <laughs>